from the adoption of automated technologies through to hiring for core skills. Australian businesses are faced with the challenge of preparing their workforce now for what comes next. I'm Hamish Coots, and you're listening to Talent Talks, brought to you by SEEK. Anne Cavalleros is the Head of Integrated Workforce Management at Telstra. She joined me at the desk alongside Kit Varty, SEEK's Group Director of Leadership and Talent, to discuss the strategies their businesses have in place to prepare for the future of work. I'm going to start with a fairly broad question. What does the future of work mean to each of you and what does it mean to your respective organisations? So perhaps, Anne, I'll start with you. Sure. I think broadly speaking, it's really thinking about what sort of work we'll be doing in the future, what sort of skills we might need as an organisation, as a country and even globally. And I think it's then trying to plan to manage toward that as well. It's also around what it means for individuals. From an organisational perspective, there's a lot for us to consider. But for individuals also, the new world of work means a lot of change. For some people that can feel quite scary, for others they see it as a big opportunity. So from our perspective at SEEK, we like to think of ourselves as positioned to support people um, through the journey around considering careers, education, jobs of the future, um, and how can they uh, take the front foot um, and, and take the opportunities and, and shape their own pathways. So when you think about your organisations, and perhaps, Kid, I'll go back to you for SEEK, what, what keeps you awake at night time when you're planning for the future workforce? I think from my perspective, it's probably around uh, capabilities. Mm-hmm. So it's around leadership capabilities, because I think so much of the change which is happening in our workforce both organisationally and for our teams needs to be led by and shaped by leaders. So I think a lot about what are our leaders doing and saying, how comfortable are they feeling themselves around being able to lead change, lead through ambiguity, um, what are they then saying to their teams and how are they showing empathy for change which other people are going through. So I think of it from the perspective of leader capability yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So Anne, thinking about Telstra, what would you say keeps you up at night when you're planning for the future workforce? I think it's also staying ahead of the curve and trying to make sure I'm across what's going on externally um, in terms of trends and workforce and talent. Um, It's also ensuring that we continue to uh, ensure we have a a diverse workforce. Mm. And that's something that I'm really passionate about personally um, and constantly thinking about how we can do better in that space ongoing. What percentage of time do you you find yourself now allocating to thinking of the future workforce um, as well as, I'm sure you've got a very, very full plate, thinking about what's happening in the now. I think about both constantly. Uh, And I think it's important too, because I think in understanding uh, the current world that we live in, we can then understand when we look at the future world that we're heading to, what's the change and the shift that we need to make to get there. So I think for me, it's about both. And Kit, from your point of view, how much headspace do you allocate when you're thinking about the future as opposed to, you know, what you're doing now? I feel very lucky actually, because at the moment, my role is a new one. So I've been in it Mm. for about six months. And so I'm spending a lot of time thinking about the future of work and what we need to build in terms of future leadership capability. However, I do hear a lot being said more broadly within HR circles, business circles, that it doesn't feel like it's the the problem to solve today. It is a big problem. It's one that has many different arms and legs. And for some people starting to take the first steps towards what do I do to tackle the many issues that are under the banner of future of work can feel overwhelming. So one of the things that we're also doing at the moment with building this new function at SEEK around talent and leadership is a lot of experimentation. So it's around looking for the opportunities internally uh, where there's a business-based need to be supporting our leaders to work differently, to trial different ways of teaming and to get on board with them to do that in real time and to make that practical Mm. um, and pragmatic 
pragmatic, test and learn along the way using some of our agile methodologies yeah. and just getting started. I think it's taking a first step towards what we need to build. Question for both of you. Do you see the future's work as is, is it a threat or is it an opportunity or is it potentially both? I think when we think about the future of work, um, there's so much opportunity and I think the more we plan to solve for mm. the future of work, the less of a threat anything feels sure. like. Mm. I think there are obviously going to be things that we can't predict um, necessarily and there'll be things that you know we may not have planned as well for but I think that the sooner we start thinking about those things, the more we plan for them, the better we will feel about them. I'm typically more of an optimistic person so I'll generally look for the opportunities myself in, in circumstances of change and ambiguity but I do think that if people who are finding themselves at the moment in careers or in roles where they're seeing a lot of change happening, mm. um, the opportunity in front of them is massive. So mindset's really important. And if you're not naturally an optimistic person looking for opportunities, maybe have a think about how could I practice doing that in some small way that feels safe um, and then exploring what those opportunities might be. So we remiss of me not to touch on technology here. It's very much at the forefront of the future of work. So how do you see technology and automation actually impacting the workforce? I mean, it's impacting us now, yeah. today, um, for sure. I think what it's doing is, and I guess it's touching on that the, the side of positivity, but I think it is creating different opportunities. Mm. So I think for us what it's doing is um, you know, removing some of the more repetitive um, maybe less complex tasks in some situations and actually creating different types of roles and skills and capabilities that are needed in organisations. So I think for us, we're seeing a change in the type of work perhaps that's impacted by automation and technology. I mean, one of the tangible ways in which we are seeing the change around tech is in the user experience. Yeah. So both on platform for Seek facing the market, be that hirers or be that candidates, and also internally when I think about the employees who are using our platforms internally, what's the experience of people who are using tech is, is really front and centre. So the person who's using is the one who has the thing that they need to achieve by using the technology. Mm. So for us to use design thinking and for us to really think about the end user at the centre of how we're designing technology and the use of technology, I think is really critical. It's probably more of a comment than a question, Citra, but I still feel that there's a lot of fear-mongering that goes on in terms of, if we look at the rise of automation or technology and what it's playing, it seems very, very difficult, and you raised a great point about taking away mundane tasks that people are currently doing and replacing them with more thought-provoking roles, but that's not that doesn't make the headlines terribly easily. It's all about mass job loss. It's all about, you know, almost the rise of the machines, etc. Um, what, what do we as a HR industry need to do to start to have a more positive conversation? Yeah, look, I think it's a massive role that we have to play because it's around how humans are interacting with each other, mm. how we're making sense of relationships with each other, how we're gathering information about our world. Um, so it's becoming intrinsic to the way we live. Mm. Therefore, I think, you know, it's changing our experience as humans. So for us in HR, yes, we need to be at the front of that conversation because how is our experience with work and for work and creating work changing? Think about children, you know, think about mm. our kids at school and how they are now using technology day to day in their learning and how easy that is for them, yeah. how natural that is for them, how interrelated their their friendships and the social media and then their interactions with their teachers and the and the learning is a few decades on in the workplace you know we're we're struggling with that yes. they're not yeah and that's the generation coming through behind so i think in hr we almost have to try and look at things through a child's eyes how are they seeing technology how are they seeing the way they 
that helps them interact. And there are so many complementary skills that I guess are associated with using technology um, in the workplace. Things that uh, technology can't do necessarily. So that creative thinking, that judgment, um, the empathy, those are really key skills and things that people could be looking at from now and as children and as they grow and develop that complement using technology rather than being replaced by technology. An organisation in the process of shaping workforce strategies while aiming to protect what makes them human is Booper. Hazel Thurlow is Booper's People Director. She joined me at the desk to share her experience of maintaining a culture of care while adapting to change. When you're talking to your people, obviously you're leading culture at your organisation, probably in times like this where you are looking at such change, ne- never, never a greater responsibility, Hazel. Yes. Yes, I don't underestimate the weight of that. And look, it's certainly not me on my own. Yeah. You know, we've got a, a fantastic people team and also a fantastic group of leaders within our organisation. And Bupa, one of the things that you will hear, regardless of when you come into the organisation or how or who you're engaging with, is that there are many things about our culture that are really beautiful and that we'd like to protect. But when you think about the business strategy, um, the, what's happening in the market, you know, we're staring down the barrel from a health insurance perspective of a two, potentially 2% cap. Yeah. You've got potential changes in government. The market conditions are really different. And then in the other parts of our business, um, there are lots of challenges, but also what does that then mean about the things that we need to protect from a cultural perspective? But what are the things that we need to change and augment mm. that set us up and make us what we call match fit for the future? Yeah, sure. So having that conversation with our people, a lot of it is about involving them because the people who are at the front line can tell us in the most appropriate way what are the things that we sh- we could be doing differently yeah. rather than this being a kind of an academic exercise of there's this many you know roles and we need to take this much cost out. It's not about that for us. We expect that as part of the future of work, as we augment our workforce, like I said, it's kind of coming back to the how do we extract as much value as we can out of, Mm. you know, the things that we can automate and the things that we can do in different ways and then that the experiences we deliver for our customers because at the core of our business, we're about care. And so that can only be delivered by a human, whether Mm. that's when you're in a care home looking after the elderly, whether that's when you're in a dental clinic, um, or whether that's when you're on the phone engaging with a customer who's got, you know, an illness that they weren't expecting, and how can we give them the best support and care? You cannot replace that with machines. It just can't be done. You mentioned protecting beautiful parts of your culture. those. I I love it when I'm talking to people from an organisation and they, I can see the smile came over your face when you spoke about your culture. Yep. What are some of those things that you are really, really steadfastly going to protect about your culture as you go through? What's really important to, to you guys within Booper? Yeah, so what's important to us? So care is one of the things that come yep. up a lot, you know, and it's not a marketing slogan. People are genuinely drawn to what we stand for as an organisation. So our purpose is longer, healthier, happier lives for everybody, which when you think about Oh, health insurance, how does that work? So connecting people to that purpose are a set of values. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some that I would say are amplified more than others, depending on which part of the business that you're in. But the thing that absolutely stands out um, when you join our organisation or you engage with us is the care and that people are welcoming. It can feel like a family, which has its pluses and its negatives as well. 
And so for us, it's about harnessing the best elements of who we are around care, authenticity. So absolute, Mm. you get lots of real people at Bupa. I mean, you can't have a role where you're in a a home and caring for people on a day-to-day basis and you're dealing with, you know, end-of-life situations and not be authentic and real. So well-being is a big part of what we strive to support our our workforce with those are elements that we would want to protect and there are some elements that we would potentially want to amplify as well over time let's move on talk a little bit about skills because the few that we've been talking about skill sets today and and shortages and deeds of skill sets but what we have heard today is about the importance of skills including upskilling and reskilling people or your existing workforce for the future as well so how are you starting to think about this at Bupa? We've actually done quite a number of, I mean, look, some people might call change impact assessments, but also just reviewing, commence reviewing and looking at our current workforce, including the review of some basic, what would mm. we stop, start and continue, yeah. um, based on the work that we expect to do to meet the goals and be the organisation that we want to be in the future. What do we stop, start and continuing? What's best practice uh, review of what's going on in the market? So looking at, okay, what are other people doing? And then from there, it's really having a conversation at a strategic level to understand if this is where we're going as an organisation, this is what we look like, these are the experiences that we want people to have, these are the skills that we know we have to retain, and these are the things that we we may not necessarily always need for the future. And from a skills shortage perspective, a huge part of our business is about care and and about engaging with people on the front line, whether that's over the phone, whether that's in a store, whether that's in a care home, whether that's in a dental practice or in an in a, um, optical clinic. And one of the biggest challenges we have, and, and this would be for anyone in a healthcare company, is around um, shortages to do with carers, mm. nurses and clinical staff globally. Healthcare is now the largest industry vertical for employment. What are yeah, some of those critical skill shortages that you guys see at the moment? Yeah, so those are the cat- so the categories of sort of carers and yeah. we've got people, you've got a different range of carers, but then you've got kind of the more um, skilled workers in the nursing and registered nurses. So they're particularly difficult. Clinicians are particularly difficult as well. And there's different reasons. So there's, you know, Australian government data that that tells you that over the past five years, the biggest growing segments of worker categories are those categories, particularly the carers um, in disabilities and in and nursing. Mm. And in the next five years, it is projected that they will continue to be the two highest growth categories. However, mm. the amount of people enrolling in courses that relate to that type of work is globally yeah. shrinking. What were... <laughs> And I don't expect you to have the answer to this because this sounds like it's the unanswerable question. <laughs> but 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 when you're strategizing and when you're thinking about it as business leaders, how could you go about starting to fill some of these shortages if enrolment numbers are nowhere near going to fill that? Yeah, so it was really interesting, particularly given what was we were just talking about in the future series around um, marketing and brand. Mm. So, you know, marketing and brand and actually understanding what it is about you as an employer that you have that can attract and talk to this partic- these particular segments, getting a really deep understanding of what that is, is is really important, you know, but at the same time, not have it being marketing because the difference between an employment brand and sometimes a customer brand can be that a customer brand can be quite aspirational and employment brand has to be real. Otherwise, you will drive attrition. So being really clear on what differentiates you as yeah. an employer in these segments, but also then looking at more interesting ways to engage these types of people early. 
So what are we doing to work with education institutions around um, creating scholarships, around creating, um, you know, we've created a BUPA Academy and Scholarship around nursing okay. globally. Yep. So there are things that you can be doing really early on to, to start to plant the seeds about this kind of work and what you can do as an employer to engage with that group. That was Hazel Thurlow, People Director Culture and Change from BUPA. Before that, you heard from Anne Cavaliros, Head of Integrated Workforce Management at Telstra, and Kit Vardy, seeks Group Director Leadership and Talent. To hear more Talent Talks, head to insightsresources.seek.com.au. I'm Hamish Coots.